Blog Talk Radio.
Thank you, Jesse Goldberg, for writing a beautiful song with beautiful lyrics. And we start our show uh, every Monday with this beautiful song. However, I took the liberty of inserting our favorite subject for this hour, Eastern Airlines, and those who want to share their memories and thoughts. And uh, I've inserted the following is the way I have chosen to render Jesse's song. Wish I could put the background music uh, on uh, the, in the background, but I'll read it off just the way that uh, I have written it. Once there was a neighborhood street, mail planes, silver planes, and airplane seats, a house full of love, a great place to grow old, once upon a long time ago. If I could only go back again to Eastern Airlines and all of my friends, once upon a long time ago. I'll never fly off to Neverland. I'll never travel in time. All I can do is the best I can and go there in my mind. I would feel safe with people I know once upon a long time ago. So I close my eyes, imagine I'm there, the Eastern Airlines and people who care. Hot summer nights and the cold winter snow from once upon a long time ago. I smile as I look back at all the roads I crossed traveling down memory lane, but without all those that I have loved and lost, life is not the same. For all the Eastern good times I can recall, to all I've loved, God bless you all. The happiest moment that I'll ever know was once upon a long time ago. And that's Neil's version of Jesse Goldberg's beautiful song. And thanks for most of the lyrics, Jesse, if you're listening. I doubt you are. And uh, I hate to plagiarize a beautiful song, but I just thought that there's just too many good words in this, uh, the lyrics of that song that uh, we couldn't we couldn't share Eastern Airlines along with the song. So, okay, with that said, it's Memorial Day, a beautiful day outside here in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Florida. We're around 82 degrees, and I see a few people on my board today. So I'm going to start off with Jim Holder at the top of the board. I'll call it the leaderboard. How does that sound? Since we we can relate to a board with golf, let's just say the leaderboard starts off with Jim Holder. Captain Jim Holder is in the Atlanta area. Hello, Jim. Yeah, I'm here. I just bogeyed a hole, though, so. <laughs> bogey. I'm not going to be in the leaderboard very long. <laughs> okay. Well, what's the temperature there, by the way? I'd say 85. It's beautiful. Carrie and I were out clearing power, scaring bucks and fall trees on our property line all morning. So I'm in okay. here resting up. All right. Good. Okay, and then going way up north, uh, I understand the weather has not been, uh, it's been inclement. How do you pronounce that word? Inclement? Inclement weather, Mike Holt, Mike, yeah, Mike Scott. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> so what's happening in well, New York? It's a cloudy 56 degrees, and it's been raining since Friday. It finally stopped this morning. <laughs> So we can't call it inclement weather anymore, huh? No, it's it's clearing up. Good, good. Good to have you back with us today. Thanks. And then we got over in the villages over there in central Florida, between halfway stuck halfway between Ocala and uh, Orlando, I guess. Would that be a right description of your location there in the villages, Chuck Albright? Yeah, we're about, uh, well, we're 30 miles south of, of Ocala, and we're 70 miles north of Orlando. So if you can picture that in your mind, we're right in the center of the state. It's 110 miles to the east coast and 120 miles to the west coast. So we're sitting about in the middle. We're having a great day today. Actually, it's uh, really nice. It's in the, the 80s and uh, no rain, so uh I guess that's uh, good for the picnickers and everybody else out there today. Um, our snowbirds have decided that they're, they're, some of them are going to go home, and then 
Unfortunately, uh, they, we still have about probably 20 or 25,000 still here. I don't think they're going to go home. I think they gave it up. <laughs> the New Yorkers said they could, they can have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And then over in Atlanta also, uh, somewhere in the Atlanta metro area or outlying, I forgot where you told me it was, uh, uh, Al Jenkins, where are you in Atlanta? In Gwinnett County. That's right, Gwinnett County. How could I forget that? Town, town called Snellville. <laughs> Snellville, I remember that. Uh, what <laughs> is that where, uh, what's his name, oh, Ludlow Porch is from? Was that, was that, where was he from, Jim, uh, Al? I think remember? he's a Decatur, wasn't he? Was it Decatur? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, Ludlow was a radio personality, and I don't think he ever made television, but he was on the radio for the most part. And and I don't think that was his real name. I don't know if anybody ever knew his real name. Ludlow Porch is what he called himself. <laughs> do you do you yeah. know his real name, Jim? <laughs> no, I know he was a cousin or something of. Uh, Oh God! What's that guy that died? Uh, Louis Grizzard. Louis Grizzard. They were they were cousins, I think, weren't they? I think they were related somehow, mm-hmm. and they yeah, talked they about each other on WSB radio. Yeah, yeah, good combination. Mm-hmm. But the wisdom of of Ludlow and and Lewis, yeah, and uh, here in St. Augustine, Florida, I'm I'm sitting here in the World Golf Village, right, almost in the heart of it, right here on mm-hmm. I-95, and uh, we've had visitors, uh, had my son and his daughter here two weeks ago, they flew in from San Francisco, and good seeing them, we hadn't seen them in three years, and she flies for Sky West, and she's, uh, uh, her first year was uh, when they were here, it was her first year anniversary, with SkyWest Airlines, and they have been very successful uh, over this pandemic time, uh, carrying passengers for Delta, for United and American Airlines, and Alaska Airlines. So when she gets in a plane, it may be a United, American, Alaska, or Delta plane. Of course, these planes are the uh, CR type, the 60 to 70 passenger airplanes, that serve the smaller airports to feed into the um, the major carriers' um, uh, airports. And uh, so she's moving up the seniority list quite fast. I think a lot of the airlines take them from these regional carriers and, and move them up to their own carrier. So they're really – and he does – he's an instructor. He used to be with Ameriflight. And, he instructs aerobatics now. That's all he does is aerobatic instruction out there at a little airport near where they live in North California. And we're going to have our daughter and her husband come visit us next week. So we're full of company here in the in the, in the few weeks to come. So I um, hope you guys are celebrating Memorial Day. Any, any, uh, any company, anybody? Uh, have any visitors? Not nope. here. <laughs> Not here. Well, well, you know, uh, we've had stories, and, and Jim and Mike, I, I'm sure you had those that close to you and Al and Chuck, uh, stories about those that served in the military that uh, came back from World War II, especially the World War II uh, uh, folks that pilots in the Korean War and told their stories. But I was always fascinated when I had a trip with people like um, Jack Tack. Do you remember Jack Tack, a name out of the past, oh, Jim? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. He was the captain of one of my one of my favorite stories going to L.A. But incidentally, I cheated and looked up. Little Doe Port was born Bobby Crawford Hanson, and he was a stepbrother with Louis Rizard. Okay. Uh, now, well, well, back to what you were saying, okay? <laughs> yeah, Jack Tack. Jack Tack. Yes, Lord. I've he, told uh, that story many times. I know you don't want me to tell it again today. Well, but it's, the story uh, I know I, Jack Tack, yeah. 
Yeah, the story I remember is, uh, and he didn't want to talk about it much, but uh, a lot of people don't know he was an ace in World War II, oh. and and he could I smoke knew a, he was a cigarette. fighter pilot, yeah. Yeah, he could smoke a cigarette all the way down to the butt, and and it, that <laughs> ash would remain stuck out there, and it would it would be afraid to drop into his lap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. But Jack Tack yeah. and uh, the stories that he told, and I got the story of how he was shot down and spent some time mm-hmm. in a in a raft in uh, in the Pacific Ocean. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, but uh, stories like these guys brought home, I was always fascinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I uh, have a story that someone, I think Mike, you might have sent it to me. Uh, about Sam Elliott or Jim? Did you send me the Sam Elliott reading? I saw it yesterday. I didn't send it to anybody, but I saw it yesterday. Uh, well, I, he actually I did it. that last year, I think. Yeah, and I played it, and I was really impressed with it. And and mm-hmm. the, I didn't know it until the very end. The guy that mm-hmm. he read the story, the story Sitting on the it was about, was right there in the audience. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, that, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, he actually did that a year ago. Uh, and when I was listening to it, I thought he was telling his own story. And I said, Sam Elliott, you know, he's not old enough to have been on D Day. And I, I was know just sitting it. there thinking, am I losing my mind? And then at the very end, you know, he went over and recognized that guy. And it was his story that he was telling. That's right, yeah. And they did it again. They may have done it, but I saw it last year. They may have done it earlier than that. I don't know. Well, I I thought I had it here, and I was going to play it because I really like to hear it. um, Oh, yeah. Man, that's a great um, thing. Yeah. But I've got this. Meanwhile, I'll look it up on my board here. I've got so many things on it that uh, I was I thought this story was very interesting about the gold star moms, the gold star Uh moms. I can remember World War Two when I first looked up at a window and I thought, what is that star doing in that window? What is that star Mm -hmm. doing in the window when I was a little kid during World War Two? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and and this story tells pretty much what it was all about for the mothers that lost their sons. My son um, was our only son at the time. He was amazing. Uh, the perfect son could have done anything, um, but he chose to serve in the United States Marine Corps. My son served in the U.S. Army. He was a military policeman. He was stationed in Honesfeld, Germany. He loved his country, and uh, he loved being an American. His favorite holiday was 4th of July, and uh, he was killed on the 5th of July. Well, so our son was deployed to Iraq. He actually volunteered to go to a more dangerous area. And one day they were out on a mission and, and they thought they were going in for a particular reason, but they were ambushed. And our son was in the lead Humvee and there were three anti-tank mines buried in the road, which detonated directly underneath our son. The phone rang on a Tuesday morning and it was my daughter-in-law and she was just sobbing and her parents had just gotten there. I said, put your mom or dad on the phone and her dad came to the phone and I said, just tell me he's alive. And he said, I can't tell you that. Memorial Day is about remembering those who have fallen. So tonight we had an event called an American Gold Star Mother's Day weekend where we've hosted 22 Gold Star mothers who've lost their sons in the service of our nation's military. And Memorial Day is for that day for me to go to Arlington and stand and look at my son's tombstone and know that everybody there was willing to give their life for me. It is not barbecues, it is not hot dogs, it is not a family get-together, it is a solemn holiday where you honor those who laid down their life for our nation. I am very proud of this. And to me, 
Hey, he's my hero. Sad stories, but um, that's what this day is for. Remembering mm. those that um, have protected us. And I found a few songs, too, to go along with uh, some of the things we'll play today. And if you guys uh, want to share a story and uh, about Memorial Day, I remember it was pretty much reunion day for my family. Uh, we just found that uh, early when I was a young person, uh, in other words, not an adult, and I had to go where my mom told me I had to go. Uh, it was always a, the uh, 4th of July reunion or either a reunion we held around uh, the Memorial Day weekend. And and uh, But I remember those days very well. My uncles served in World War II, both of them. One of them uh, took a flak uh, across his face and and I can never, I'll never forget that scar that he wore proudly. But uh, he he did come back from the war, World War II. He was an Army engineer. And so, any thoughts you guys want to share with us? Well, well, I, I had another. I re- go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Jim, you go first, and Mike, you follow. All right. Okay. I had an uncle. Uh, Gary Farmer, and he joined the Mississippi National Guard prior to uh, World War II because after the, you know, Depression and all that, it was hard to get any kind of job, and they got some pay from being in the Guard. So when it got work started, he was activated, and he ended up being an engineer in the Engineer Corps. And at some island in the Pacific, he, and I don't understand exactly what happened, but he ended up getting his leg broken really bad. And he was shipped home and came to live with his wife in Lexington, Mississippi, which is where I was living at the time. And I remember going over and he was laying in a bed with a cast and all kind of stuff. And, you know, I just, and, uh, you know, he was, World War II was a very big thing for everybody. I mean, people today have no idea how life was in World War II here in, exactly. in war yeah. zones. Yeah. They have no idea how, what, how, what it was like. And I, in my little eight-year-old boy, uh, mind's eye, I see my Uncle Gary laying there. And I would, we lived a couple of blocks away from him. And I'd go over there, and he would sit and talk to me while he's laying in that bed for months and months and tell me about things going on. And uh, he uh, actually, uh, you know, remained in the military and retired as a, as a lieutenant colonel. And uh, he recovered very well because I played golf with him in Phoenix, Arizona many times. He beat me like a drum. And, uh, but of course, anybody could beat me like a drum at golf. <laughs> okay, Mike, your story, please. <laughs> well, yeah, my story is kind of like uh, what Captain Neal said when I when I was small. I mean, uh, my my dad was in the flying for Eastern during World War II, and he was in the and he was in the military transport division, which you guys are all aware of, and. Uh, and uh, my uncle was—he was a Navy pilot. He used to fly uh, the Lockheed Venturas. He was a submarine hunter out there in the in the North Atlantic. And uh, we we always got dragged, to, or I say I got dragged. It was always a pleasure to go anywhere and have a fancy meal. I used to go to my grand grandparents' house on uh, on my mother's side, and uh, everybody was always invited. So we had to. The two aviators uh, we used to talk to. They used to talk to each other, my uncle and my dad, and uh, and I used to somehow listen to it, but I didn't really understand what was going on. I was kind of too young for all of that, being as I was only born six months before uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. So uh, I, I, that's the memories that I had of the two uh, the two uh, aviators, and I remember my uncle wearing. Uh, he had his uh, navy uniform on uh, one time. I do remember him standing tall in that thing. Uh, he had the big big hands and the big feet on him. <laughs> but, yeah, just fond memories of stuff and uh, all of that uh, sad stuff that everybody uh, that were uh, kind of celebrating uh, their 
their lives that uh, were cut short for for so that the rest of us could live on. You know, it's uh, it's a heck of a day today. Yes, it is. Here's a uh, another one that I found that was very interesting. It's not very long, but uh, it's about a whole community that comes together. I think this is somewhere up in Connecticut. Forgot where, Ridgefield or somewhere like that. I'm Alita Ward, one of the pastors here at Greenfield Hill Congregational Church. The Field of Flags actually began long before 2009. After the first thousand casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan, we paused to have a memorial service here at the church to gather people together for prayer and memory. And uh, in honor of all those who had lost their lives, we posted names on the walls of our church, names of the thousand soldiers who had given their lives. And that was a powerful witness and something that spoke to a lot of people, but we felt like we wanted to do something more. Since 2009, we have been doing this Field of Flags every two years, and we have been absolutely overwhelmed by the number of community members who have come by to simply walk the field, to look at each flag, to pray, to sit and reflect. It is a powerful witness and our way of reminding people that although in many ways Iraq and Afghanistan are sometimes far from our thoughts and far certainly from our life here on Greenfield Hill, there are people who are sacrificing daily in ways that we can only begin to imagine. The reason I'm here today is not only for all the soldier that, soldiers that were lost, but uh, I have a personal interest in my son is serving in the Army for eight years now. And he did a tour in Afghanistan in 2012 for nine months and lost 14 of his comrades. So it's, a, um, it's very moving to be able to at least do some type of tribute for them. The Field of Flags has profound meaning for the people of this church and for our community. It's our way of bearing witness in a tangible way to the love and the sacrifice of so many. It's quite an undertaking, but our church and the people in the community turn out for it, and when it's done, it's really quite striking. It's truly a beautiful experience, and it's an honor to be able to celebrate these soldiers who have given their lives, 6,930 soldiers and sailors and uh, all the military that have helped. There is a sense of gratitude for those who have sacrificed. There is an overwhelming sense of sorrow for those who have been lost. It's almost inevitable that you find yourself praying for peace in our world because as you look at the flags and you think about the lives that they represent and the numbers, the thousands of lives impacted by these losses, inevitably you find yourself asking God to show us a way and show us a way to a world of peace, show us a way to a world where we need not plant any more flags, where we have learned to live together in peace and uh, live into the future that God hopes for us. Well, if you want inspiration, you don't have to go very far if you have a computer. There are hundreds of stories like this uh, that are being told and have been told. So, uh, Neil? Yes, sir. It's a, uh, it's a strange. I, I, looked that, up, I did some little research while we were listening. Did Sam Elliott, uh, yeah. Ray Lambert tribute? He did that yeah. in 2019 uh, first. So he did it last year. I saw it and saw it today. And and uh, Ray Lambert died April the ninth, just this what, just a month or so ago. He was 100 years old. He died in, wow. uh, in North Carolina. And I'd like to something else. I was sitting here looking at, and I might just read this if I got enough time. You got time for me to read this? Oh about sure, Ray Lambert. Yes, sir. Go ahead. It says Lambert was serving in the U.S. Army as a medic when his unit was sent to Normandy on D-Day. 
As troops stormed the beach, many were injured by enemy fire and landmines. Lambert located a bit of area behind a large concrete block, and remember that. Um, talked about it later, and began dragging injured men from the water to the block so they could be assisted by medics. He was credited with saving at least 15 lives that day, even if he was severely injured himself, including a broken back. Lambert was later honored by President Donald Trump at a ceremony in Normandy marking the 75th anniversary of D-Day. The concrete block that he used to shelter the injured men was named Ray's Rock, and has a plaque affixed to it honoring Lambert and his men. Wow. Now that's something. Yes, it that is. is. Yeah, I had uh, I, I had recorded it, but I did not transfer the recording to my producer's board, and as I so often forget to do. And uh, but uh, thanks for reading that information about the guy. It sounds like to me. Uh, was that the Congressional Medal of Honor that uh, he was awarded, uh, Jim? Does it say? Uh, let me. I am. Um, let me scroll in here. He died and, and a notable quote. Like so. I'm just scrolling real quick, trying to look yeah. for it. Omaha. Uh, he was there like, for the big anniversaries and everything. Yeah. Uh, like that. I don't. That I don't see been. what his awards were. Yeah. Um, Mike, I'm what sure were you he going got. To? If he didn't, he deserved it. That's for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sure does. Mike, what do you have? Yeah, wasn't aware of that plaque myself. And I've, uh, of course, I've I've been to Normandy. I was uh, had a chance to go up there. I think I might have mentioned that on a previous show. A friend of mine and I, that worked for different outfits, we 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 went up there one day and spent the whole day walking the beaches and going to all of the, mm-hmm. you know, all all the places there where everybody landed. But the question I was asking, not question, but uh, I was just going to mention why. Uh, it's kind of like, wh- wh- I wonder why people always co- uh, wish you a, a happy Memorial Day because yeah. uh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like it, it's not really fitting for uh, everybody that uh, that has passed uh, for that, you know, for our for our preservation. And uh, so I just, it's, just I, it's a strange thing. Mike? I uh, I thought that same thing when I look at the holiday that we're celebrating and so forth, and I I often think uh, happy, and uh, I've trans I've tra- I I choose to w- use the word respectful day, respectful mm-hmm. and, and thoughtful, respectful and thoughtful day to remember. Have a respectful and I put that in most of the things that I letters or whatever. I put on the internet. Uh, try to use those words instead of happy, but um, but I guess the word happy can be used because we're happy that they have provided us the freedom that we have. Yeah, there's several ways you can look at it. Yeah. Yep. Now here comes a song I think you'll like, and let's see who's going to be the singer. It's uh, going to be either, uh, well, let's try this one right here. It's called 19. 19. Back voted captain of his high school football team. Took us all the way to state, got a scholarship to play down in Tennessee. He could run, he could duck, he could throw, he could go like he never seen. Nineteen. But on the day those twin towers came down, his whole world turned around. He told them all, y'all, I can't play ball, there's a war on now. So he marched right in with a few good men and joined the Marines in 19. Well, he's the boy next door. Might have carried your bags at the grocery store. He's somebody's son in a hole with a gun in a foreign land. 
There's a sniper out there in the dark somewhere and a soldier down. Yeah, we need someone who can duck and run and get him out somehow. Won't one good man raise his hand and take one for the team? Well, how about you, 19? Well, he's the boy next door. He used to carry your bags at the grocery store. He's somebody's son in a hole with a gun in a foreign land. And try to hold on to his American dream. Nineteen. Brought him home today with a big parade down on Main Street. Got a purple heart and a silver star, soldier gave a speech. He could run, he could duck, he could throw, he's the one who rescued me. He said he could have played for Tennessee. Number 19. Yeah, they were young when they served in World War II. Yeah, yeah, the pilots were, I think they had some aircraft command pilots who were 19 years old, 20 years old. Yeah, Yeah. Bill, uh, what's his name, the Silver Fox, you remember him in Atlanta, they called him the Silver Fox, he was a B-17 command pilot, he said, and he was only 19, and he didn't talk much about it. What was his name? Lived down in Newnan. Oh. Hmm. Not Bill Moore. I'm sure you could. No, not Bill Moore. Bill, Bill, oh, the Silver Fox. Oh, my memory's going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yep. I've got one more here I want to play. And I think you'll enjoy this one. It's called Didn't Make It, Those That Didn't Make It. By Justin Justin Moore. She was planning a welcome home barbecue, green bean casserole, grandma's recipe. There was a knock on the door around two o'clock, two uniforms and her hard style, yellow ribbon round an oak tree, blowing in the breeze. Here's to the Back to that front porch Back through that front 
sometime back I received in the name of our country the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. So when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hold. All we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. said anything about Vietnam, and uh, we've got uh, Chuck Albright, who served in Vietnam. Chuck, I'm sure yeah. that you you uh, have memories about uh, your time during that war, and, and uh, probably some that didn't make it back. Oh, yeah. I um, Obviously, I, I, the ones that's on the program know that I, I worked as um, a mechanic on uh, F-4 fighters. But I had uh, friends, you know, you you meet at the the chow hall and a little. We li- actually it was a tent. We lived in tents for wh- quite a while. But there was two guys that uh, worked in the motor pool, and we got to be friends. And uh, one night I was there in the Tet Offensive of '66, uh, I believe it was. And then they had the big one in '67, I think, somewhere, somewhere in there. I'm not too sure. But um, they were working on some kind of a ground power unit or something, three of them. And uh, rocket come in, and uh, unfortunately, it was right beside them, and one uh, died almost immediately. Another one uh, passed away at the hospital. But the third one, they flew to, um, to. Japan, he he made it that far, and, and he actually lived. They they amputated one of his legs, but he went he went home. Uh, those those are the buddies that I ran around with, and some of my maintenance guys on the F4s. We were we were fairly lucky as far as uh, people uh, getting hit. You know, we were at Danang. Danang was a Navy base, and they had like almost like 60,000 people there. They had Marines and the Army and the Navy and the Air Force, so the the Viet Cong didn't really come close to the base. They would shell us a lot uh, with mortars and, and rockets and stuff like that, but there was no, um, you know, coming over the hill with, a, you know, with personal weapons, you know, like rifles or pistols or stuff like that. But... Um, yeah, it it was um it was pretty bad for I was there a year and I I was very fortunate I came back with all my parts and uh but I got affected by uh, um by the sound of rockets and stuff. I used to have um the, if you if you slammed a door or something or a car backfired or something I would really get shooken up for and I, I went to one doctor and he says you'll outgrow it 
and one of the VA doctors, and he says, you'll outgrow it. Right now, it's just, it just kind of affects you. I think back in the Second World War, the call being shell-shocked. But mm-hmm. That was from all the stuff yep. that, that we came in in the base. But yeah. All in all, um, I, a lot of the guys that I went there got back, which was very fortunate. Uh, obviously, some didn't. Um, uh, I'm glad to see that they – I was watching the president today at the Arlington uh, with the uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier putting the reef up and everything else. And, of course, uh, today is the day they ended the war in Afghanistan. Uh, but we had been there the longest of any conflict. We were there 20 years. Yeah. Um, so, like all wars, except for some of the First and Second World War, we there, there was no really winning or losing. You just came home. Yeah. I, and I'm glad to see these guys coming back because they um, they had a different time because there was a lot of the IUD stuff in the in the roads and and the different places that they ran into. So they lost a lot of of, of limbs. Um, not to say that they didn't in other wars, but it seemed that they had a, a, an awful lot of that in this particular war um, because the enemy didn't have a lot of the sophisticated munitions and stuff, so they they made do with what they had. Yeah. But I was very I was very touched by his his uh, what he had to say this morning. I uh, I think he really. Uh, kind of hit it on the head of what this nation needs to do to kind of bind up the wounds, so to speak. And uh, hopefully we can we can do that. So we'll have to see how things go. But war yeah. is uh, always uh, I always had this thing I saw when I first went into the, the, the military. I was in 26 years. Wow. And I read it says that uh, old men start wars and young men die, and that's the yeah. way it is. Yeah. And your songs have kind of brought that out in the forefront. Well but, said, uh, Chuck. Well said. So we're we're I'm doing good, and some of my friends that are here. We have about uh, 20 Vietnam veterans here that I I, I know of in the villages. You see them every once in a while. They get their hats on and stuff. And um, fortunately, we're with the people who are a little older than the people outside the villages, you know. And they respect what we've done. They always uh, come by and say hi, and that uh, they respect that we serve. Yeah. And, you know, um, Chuck. Uh, some some of us were too young to serve, and I was one of those. My brother, four years older went off to Korea and he served in Korea. He was, uh, uh, he was in surveillance, aerial surveillance and, uh, his airplane was shot down from under him and they had the time to all the crew were saved. They all parachuted out. And, uh, but, uh, from that point on, he, he would never, never fly in an airplane. That's all it took coming down in a parachute in Korea. Well, uh, they were back over the Allied lines, but uh, uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, I guess I was, or unfortunately, I never had to serve in uh, a place called Korea or a place called Vietnam or, of course, the two that uh, recent wars that we have had, and um, I'm, I'm blessed there. Also blessed the fact that I never uh, hit the furlough at Eastern Airlines, so I've been pretty lucky through my my 85 years now, and uh, I don't know how about the rest of you, uh, Mike and Jim Holder, and uh, Al yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, I was uh, got a similar story. It's kind of like a long chucks. I was there probably before he was, but uh, he was talking about Tet. That was in '68. I was uh, already working for Eastern at that time, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I didn't purposely go to the uh, the Vietnam uh, Wall down in Washington for the longest time because I knew there was some yeah. some names that were on there, and uh, and uh, there actually was. Of course, you got a book you can look up before you go down to. Uh, 
you know, to find out the location of the names. And I, I you know, it was uh, unfortunate that I did see some names on there of good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. Vietnam, it was kind of a useless war, not useless, but a political war, as we all know. And uh, I was glad to get out of there. Uh, yeah. I, I went in very late. They, uh, my, you know, my basic training days and training days in Vietnam, they, I was always the old man. They always called me the old man because I was older than everybody. <laughs> That's what I had. I was twenty. I was twenty-one years old, and I was older than anybody in my group. The old guy, old man. <laughs> yeah, well, I was twenty-five when I was in Vietnam. I mean, I was I was five or six years older than most everybody. Wow. Yeah, I was twenty-five when I went to Vietnam. The the um, the the, fun, the funny thing about. I, I kind of feel like you that it was the military industrial war and the politicians ran the war. Obviously they, they didn't. My general was Westmoreland and uh, yep. he, he, he got just like Eisenhower and some of the other big generals, he got fired too. Not Patton and the rest of them because yeah. the politicians didn't want to listen to him. We would, they would stop us from flying our F4s uh, up north. Uh, we uh, Haiphong was a Haiphong Harbor was about the farthest north, and and Westmoreland wanted to go to the Yalu River, which is right. That's the border between north north of Vietnam and China, and and they and he said privately that he was going to go to China, and that's what ruined the whole thing, because mm-hmm. he would have told his pilots to keep on flying. But yeah. uh, I many a time that I I could listen on the radio on a certain band on the radio in the trucks because I was the afternoon supervisor I was only had three stripes and um, so you could hear the pilots talk and then you could you could hear if you turn to another little station there you could actually hear uh, the the Chinese and the uh, there was Russians that were flying the airplanes. Uh. But um, they never admitted that, and I don't think we really got into a big argument or a fight about it. I know that I know that they they gave the South um, um, Vietnamese um, T-37s, the little Tweety birds, and they could put up bombs on them and stuff. And they just couldn't comprehend how to fly the airplane. They had to get they gave them back. After a while, and they put them in the World War II airplanes, piston planes. But um, some of them did excel, and they, they got in there. There's a, a plane, it's like a T-38, except it's called an F-5. It's a fighter plane. And it was pretty good. And it held a power record, speed record, height record for quite a while. And then, of course, the planes got more sophisticated and bigger and you know, the engines got bigger and everything else, you know. I was looking at the stuff, and I was I was really amazed at all the airplanes that that I knew in the service. And I'd, I've worked on probably almost a dozen different types of airplanes in the uh, times that I was in the, the service, you know. But the one plane that holds the, the, the speed record and altitude record, does anybody know what it is? Bearcat? Nope. You talk about during Korean War time frame or what? Yeah, the, the one that holds the, the the record for being the the fastest uh, manned airplane and the highest has the highest ceiling. Well, it's painted You're black. not talking about the 105, are you? F105. No, it's SR71. Oh, oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. one. I thought you were talking I about a, a, a World War, a Vietnam fighter, yeah, yeah. or something. Oh no, oh, yeah, no, SR seventy one. Yeah, yeah. They actually made they actually made um, the preload to that, which was a, um, an A one A or something. That was actually a um, going to be a, a, a bomber, yeah. but they they took the, all the. the Technology away from that airplane and gave it to the the, the uh, CIA, I believe, actually had the the word on building the SR-71. Uh, um, Chuck, 
Yeah, Chuck, we're going to have to cut it. We're about running out of time, and I do have one that popped up on my board here, area code 301. Who might that caller might be? Connie Kerrigan. Hey, Connie, how are you? I'm good, Neil. I'm good. Listening to you all, I thought I might call in and talk about a different perspective during that time. Please. My little brother was when he joined the Army, and he ended up doing two tours in Vietnam. He was in Pleiku and Phuloi. He was a helicopter pilot. Mm. And when he came home, I always said my brother didn't come home. Somebody else did. He's still alive. He's doing great. But it took him years and years to even admit to anybody that he had been in Vietnam. Because when he came home, in his uniform, they were spitting on him in the San Francisco oh. airport. Yeah. I can know that. Maybe three years ago, his daughter finally convinced him by giving him one of the hats that say Vietnam vet. And he, mm. he wore it. And he's telling me that he was sitting in the mall and someone came up and said, welcome home. And I didn't know what that meant. Mm. And so I said, what does that mean? He said, that's what you say to a Vietnam vet, because nobody did mm. welcome them home. Mm. Yeah, yes, we did. Mm. very true. They had a hard time when we came home. Yeah. Did he? Got better later on, but the beginning when the guys started coming back home, he yeah. had the Jane Fondas and people like that. It, just absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, he Connie won't is. Even watch it, discuss it with him, but he won the Distinguishing Cross, and oh. I didn't or was awarded it, not won it, was awarded it, and I didn't even know that until about five years ago when I came across the paperwork on it in my mother's belongings. Mm. He didn't even talk about it. He still won't yeah. talk about it. And mm. as a as a big sister. It was really hard to live through mm. not knowing. You know, they didn't yeah. have the text and, and FaceTime and and uh, all Zoom and all these other things to keep in touch with your family. You just didn't know until yeah. you got yeah. the letter. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I would share that with you from a different perspective. Thank you, Connie, for calling in and that and, and sharing that with us. Appreciate it. By the way, way, thanks for uh, stopping by and having lunch. I really enjoyed that. I do, and and thank you for last week when you uh, promoted the Silver Liners and Carol and all that. That's actually one of the articles that I edited and put together. Very good. uh, We'll do some more. We'll do some more of that. Okay. That's a. We started Silver Liners in 1954. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's the oldest, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and we have over 60 airlines represented now. Wow. Wow. But majority are Eastern. Majority well, are Eastern at this point. But anyway. Mike and I are both members, Connie. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, we're, we are looking at all kinds of, uh, you know, opportunities down the road. Uh, I'm chairman of our strategic planning committee, so I'm open to just about any suggestions that come along. Well, if I can live till next year, I might show up at your convention. Well, you are more than You're... welcome. You're a member, remember? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like good, Havana. Night. I guess the flight attendants now have to wear, start wearing catcher's masks, eh? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awful? No. Terrible. It's just, uh, just amazing. I mean, yeah. you yeah. when you get with, uh, my granddaughter said something to me uh, not long ago, and she said, well, my my fellow teacher said her mother, you know, was, or she was, had just started flying or something like that. And she said, yeah, but my grandma did it when it was glamorous. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, maybe. Well, I read your story today in the Silver Liners magazine, and I'm enjoying that magazine that Brenda put together, and I'm sure uh, you gave her some help, but uh, it's, a, it's a brilliant magazine. She's done really, really good with it. She is so good. I mean, like you guys, I did the magazine for quite a number of years, and she's just yeah. taken it to a whole different level with her talent and her expertise and her knowledge. Um, yeah. We are so fortunate to have her. Yeah. Well, we are fortunate to have her to host on our radio show, too. So, uh, well, come back again, Connie. We hope to hear you. We're I out will. of time. We're, we're over time here. But uh, for the last thing, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to play Merle Haggard and his last letter. Got to hear this. I'm writing this down in a trench mark Don't scold if it isn't so mean The way that you did when I was a kid And I'd come home with mud on my feet Our orders And mom We will carry Them through And I'll finish This letter The first chance I get But for now I'll just say I love you Then the mother's Old hands Begin to tremble and she fought against tears in her eyes But they came unashamed Cause there was no name And she knew that her soldier had died And then she knelt down by her bedside and she prayed, Lord above, hear my plea. Protect all the soldiers who are fighting tonight. And dear God, keep America free. song silver wings guys thank you so much for sharing this memorial day with me and our listeners around the world yes we have uh countries uh, that uh, listen to us regularly and um, i was going to read a list of them but don't have the time to do that so thank you wherever you are and and stay safe and healthy and god bless our troops that are serving this great country so that's it for today. Thank you guys. That's it. Appreciate it. Tribute to the fallen. We'll catch you later. See ya. Don't leave me, I cried. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me out of your mind. And left me standing here behind. Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me 
out of Thanks a lot. Appreciate hey. it. True yeah, to the ball. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.